welcome to In the Word with Michelle Telfer. Thank you for joining us for this in-depth study of God's Word, the Bible. For more of Michelle's resources or to read her blog, visit her website at intheword.com. And now, Michelle. Welcome to our study. Let's pray, shall we? Father God, I thank you so much for bringing us together as you have. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray that I would not get in the way of what you plan to do and that you would touch our hearts in new ways. In Jesus' name and for his glory alone. Welcome to our two-part series on following God's lead in times of transition. Now, truth be told, this really could be a much longer study, but as I've recently been through a transition of my own, moving from one state to another, I wanted to share some of the passages of Scripture that I've found particularly encouraging and helpful in the transition. One of my favorite Old Testament characters has always been the prophet Elijah, because as James tells us in the New Testament, he was a person just like us, and yet he was used by God to accomplish mighty things because he prayed. There is so much for us to learn from him in the way that he so faithfully served the Lord. So in our time together today, I wanted us to look at a part of Elijah's life when the Lord led him through a particularly difficult transition and how Elijah chose to obediently listen to God and follow his plan, even when things surely didn't always make sense from the prophet's perspective. But before we begin, let me put things into historical perspective. Initially, under Saul, David, and Solomon, the tribes of Israel had been united as one nation. But following the death of King Solomon in the Old Testament, the 12 tribes of Israel divided into two different kingdoms. The 10 tribes living in the north of the country formed the Kingdom of Israel with its capital city of Samaria. The two tribes of Judah and Benjamin formed the kingdom of Judah in the south, and their capital city was Jerusalem. The different kingdoms each had their own kings, very few of whom were any good. In fact, all of the northern kingdom's rulers did evil in God's sight, turning away from him to lead their people into idol worship. Arguably, the worst of these northern kings was King Ahab. Part of his problem was that in order to solidify his political alliance with the Gentiles of neighboring Sidon, he had married a Sidonian princess by the name of Jezebel. She'd been quick to introduce the worship of her pagan god Baal into everyday life for the people of the northern kingdom. And so by the time of Elijah, ministry, she was feeding 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Baal's companion, Asherah, from the king's table. 
Generally speaking today, people know little, if anything, about Baal worship, but what the Israelites were being led into was truly evil. For example, if a person wanted Baal's blessing on their home, they were required to bury their own child alive in the foundation of the house to please this false god. Disgusting, and yet 1 Kings chapter 16 tells us that Ahab had set up an altar for Baal, a temple to this false god right in his capital city of Samaria. Under Ahab's rule, the worship of the living God of Israel had almost been eradicated from the northern kingdom. With the nation so far from God, the Lord decided that it was time to get his people's attention. And so he raised up the prophet Elijah to bring his message to King Ahab. Let's look at the text from 1 Kings chapter 17 verse 1 to see what that message was. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord the God of Israel lives whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. The scripture reveals that Elijah was from Tishbe, but nothing is known of that place. So here, Elijah, a man of unknown origin, presents himself before the king, declaring that he serves the living God of Israel and that the climate is about to change. A drought is coming as a judgment against the people. Now, if you know anything about Ahab and his terrible wife Jezebel, you'll understand that it must have taken great courage for Elijah to do what he did, for this was a message that would not only infuriate the king, but it would ultimately put the prophet's life in very real danger. No tyrant likes to hear that they've gone down the wrong path and that God is about to judge them. And I mention that to encourage us because there are often times when obedience to God is going to seem very risky to us too, but we can't hold back. After Elijah did what God had called him to do, verse 2 reveals, Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Leave here, turn eastward and hide in the Kerith ravine east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook and I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kerith ravine east of the Jordan and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening and he drank from the brook. If you were to study the life of Elijah, you would notice that time and again we hear how the word of the Lord came to Elijah. God is a God who speaks to his people and when he speaks, he wants us to obey. Interestingly, the Hebrew word Shema is translated as hear in our Bibles when God calls his people to hear his voice. But what you may not know is that the word obey is also Shema 
in Hebrew. So the very act of truly hearing God means that we are going to respond, to obey what he says. Here, God directs Elijah to the Kerith Ravine, where he would be able to live in safety outside of Ahab and Jezebel's reach. And immediately, Elijah acted on what God told him to do. Everyone in the land was struggling because of the drought, but because he obeyed God's command, Elijah found himself in a place of safety there in the ravine where God miraculously provided for him. But then comes verse 7. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. The brook dried up. Those words are so small and yet so final, aren't they? Some of us may wonder why God would let that happen. I mean, after all, here's a guy who put his life on the line to obey God's word. Surely something like this is not supposed to happen to him of all people. The truth is change comes to all of us at some point in life. The difference is how we handle it. We have to remember that the brook drying up isn't the end of the story because verse 8 tells us, Then the word of the Lord came to him, Go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. You see, there are two components to this. We are told that the brook dried up, but then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, directing him to follow God in a new direction. I think that this is relevant to all of us because there are many times in life when a brook of some kind, something we have been depending on, will dry up for us or for our families. And I think at times like that, how we respond to the situation really will depend on whether we are listening for the word of God or merely just focusing on our circumstances. This is so simple and yet so powerful to me. I mean, think of it. Elijah knew that the Lord had led him to the brook in the first place. He might have easily dug in his heels thinking that this was where God led me, so this is where I'll stay. He could have started digging down to find underground water to keep him there longer, but he did not. He saw his changing circumstances, but he did not act on those circumstances alone. No, he listened for the word of the Lord, and then he acted according to God's word in those circumstances. During the transitions in my own life, I have found this to be essential, that we don't rush into doing the first thing that immediately comes to mind, but that we take time to ask God's guidance and then truly listen for what he says. And in my own experience, his word to me has often come through a Bible passage that he has brought to my mind or through the input of a godly praying friend sharing scripture. Hearing God's voice in many instances means that we will have to slow down 
and prayerfully listen. Even so, responding to what he says is going to require faith, as it did for Elijah. You see, God directed him to go and stay in Zarephath of Sidon. Now, initially, you might not think that strange, but do you remember who else was from Sidon? Yeah, Jezebel. She was a Sidonian princess. God was directing Elijah to go into Jezebel's home territory, saying that there was a widow there whom he was to stay with. Now, I think if I were Elijah, I would have had a lot of questions at that point. I mean, why Sidon? Weren't there any widows in Israel that he could go to? But I guess the Lord has those he's working with, even in the most unlikely places. God has his purposes. He has a plan to prosper us and not to harm us, to give us hope and a future. But will we seek him out? Will we listen to him and will we trust him? If you continue reading the story, you'll see that when he got there, true to God's word, Elijah did meet a widow and her son who were at the end of everything they had. Their only provisions consisted of a handful of flour and a tiny amount of oil. But because of Elijah's presence with them, God made sure that the flour and the oil never ran out. Now, there's a lot we could learn from the interaction between Elijah and the widow, but for our purposes today, it's enough to understand that because of Elijah's obedient response to the word of the Lord, God's provision sustained others in that hostile land. But the story doesn't stop there, though, because we're also told that at some point the widow's son died. Now, in those days, without a husband or a son to take care of her, a woman would be utterly destitute. And so can you imagine the incredible grief and fear she must have felt having already lost her husband? Now her only son was dead. That woman surely thought she had no future and no hope. But God, he worked through Elijah to raise the boy back to life. If you read the story, it was then that the woman came to faith, saying to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. God had a plan, and there had been a purpose to the brook drying up all along. As Elijah cried out to God, God spoke to him and redirected him to a place where he would bring not only physical provision and physical life, but spiritual provision and spiritual life as well. Honestly, the story of Elijah and the brook is challenging for many reasons. It teaches us that God does use circumstances to direct us, but we're not to focus on those circumstances. We have to allow the word of God to guide us as we follow him, knowing that even the difficult transitions of this life can be used for good, to bring us to a place we may never have been otherwise, a place where God can grow us and use us to bring his word, his provision and his life to others. 
The truth is that from time to time, brooks do dry up in life. For many years, God had led my husband, Colin, and I to live in Botswana, Africa. We had our children while living there, but eventually the pools of opportunity that we had depended on began to dry up. I suppose we could have tried to hold on and think of new ways to sustain our life there. We could have tried to sink our own well in order to survive, but God was nudging us through our time in his word to follow him to a place that he would show us. We had no idea of where we were to go, and so we prayed a lot. In fact, we asked God to open just one door. You see, we didn't want to have too many options because we never wanted to doubt if we'd chosen the right one. So Colin went on a trip, rattling doorknobs, as we called it, to Australia, the United States, Canada and Britain, where he looked for work. It seemed impossible, and yet we trusted the Lord. For our decision wasn't based on our circumstances alone. We were continually listening to what God was saying to us through his word. For some time, it seemed like a storm of uncertainty was swirling around us while we cried out to God to make a way where there didn't seem to be a way. It was as I was reading Psalm 107 verses 28 through 31 one morning that I guess you could say the word of the Lord came to me. It was as if certain verses were being highlighted on the page. Let me read them to you from Psalm 107. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. I knew God was speaking directly to me and my mind focused on the fact that he would guide us to a desired haven. And knowing that the word haven is usually used to describe a safe harbor by the sea, I even told a friend that I thought we would be crossing the sea to live in a city near the coast somewhere. I remember they looked at me as if I were crazy, but then one door did open, just as we had been led to pray. And of all the places God could have picked, he opened the door to a town near the sea in California. But it still required faith to walk through that door because the job Colin was offered paid half of what he had been earning in Africa. Following God's lead was going to require a new level of trust on our part, after all. It didn't help that several of our church friends thought that our move was ill-advised. California was going to be very different from where we had lived, and they made it seem like we were going to a modern-day Zarephath. And it was true that a lot of the movies and news did present that area in a way that was greatly concerning to us. But this was God's plan for us. And there, by his grace, he used both my husband and I to reach others in Christ's name, bringing spiritual food and eternal life to many. 
I do want to say, though, that having a brook dry up doesn't necessarily entail a physical move as it did for my family. We are all at different points in our lives. For example, some of us, if we were totally honest with ourselves, would have to say that we were not really following the Lord at all at the moment. We've been used to drawing from the pools that the world has to offer. But let me tell you that those always dry up in the end. Over time, what the world provides becomes less and less satisfying. We have to put ourselves in a place where we will start to listen to God. But some of us, like Elijah, may have already been following God. We may have even been guided by his word into certain areas of work or ministry in the past. But our work, our ministry, even if it was God-given, can become a puddle that we depend upon more than him. On the one hand, we've got to learn to endure in the place that God has called us to because there will often be difficulties and opposition. But on the other hand, we've also got to hold on to things lightly and be careful about settling down. You see, this particular brook was only a season in Elijah's walk with the Lord. Pools sometimes dry up. Areas of service, for example, may vanish. But by using his word, God will help us as we transition, and he will move us, like Elijah, onto new work and new ministry that will bring him glory. Our job is to be listening for his word to us in whatever circumstances we're facing. Change comes to us all. It's a normal part of life and of following God. Following God is often going to require risk because transitions can be scary. Now, I know we like being comfortable. We like the familiar. But if we are to grow and be used of him to the full extent we can be, we have to be ready to follow where he leads and to go at his pace. Can I encourage you, don't focus on what used to be. As you consider your current circumstances, listen for the word of the Lord, even if he takes you to a place you never thought you'd go. God provided for Elijah, he will provide for you too. And as you obey his call, in a spiritual sense, he will take you to those around you who are in distress, those who are starving, those who are dying. And the word you share with them will bring life and relationship with him. So as we close, today, if you're willing, join me in saying, Lord, let your word come to me, even as it did to Elijah. Let's pray. Lord, send your word to us. We know that you are a God who speaks to your people. Please help us to be truly willing to not only hear what you say, but also to act upon your word, to follow you through the changing landscape of our lives and our world, whether it always makes sense to us or not. Lord, always help us to have words of life and hope for others as we put our faith firmly in Jesus Christ, no matter where he leads. 
It is in Jesus' precious name we pray. Lord, let it all be for your glory alone. Amen. Well, God bless you, and I do hope you'll join us next time for part two of Following God's Lead Through Times of Transition. Thank you for listening to In the Word with Michelle Telfer. Join us next week as we continue our study from God's Word, the Bible. For more of Michelle's resources, visit her website at intheword.com.